His name was Derek. He grew up in a loving home, in a Christian home. He went to church every week. Most would say, as they looked at Derek, they would say his future looked so bright. He was sharp, he was good looking, he was intelligent. He had a tender heart. But he hung around with some friends who pulled him in a direction that he never dreamed that he would go. And one thing led to another. And on this night, someone was robbed and someone was killed. And though he didn't pull the trigger, I sat that day across from Derek in prison with his life in a tragic, tragic mess because he allowed the wrong things to influence his life. His name was David. He was given position as a boy, as anointed leader over Israel. Whatever David did, God just seemed to bless it. He poured out his blessing on his life. He had great influence. He had great victory in battle. But he slowly began to abuse his power. He spends less time talking with God and more time letting his eyes wander unbridled. He forces himself on another man's wife, this guy named David. Then things get out of hand. She is now pregnant. And to cover all that up, there is lies, there is deception. And he has the husband killed to hide it all from everyone. And one day in his utter brokenness, David just cries out to God and says, I have sinned greatly against you, Lord. David's life was in such a total mess. His name was Saul. He was a guy who followed every rule. He went to every service. He knew all of the scriptures. I guess you'd say he was a religious guy, this guy Saul. Yet by his own admission later, he would say, I am the chief of all sinners. The, the first time we hear of this name is in uh, the book of Acts in chapter 7 where angry religious people are attacking and murdering another Christian named Stephen. And there it says, Saul stood giving approval, giving the nod of the murder of Stephen. Kill him. People feared Saul. Christians shook when they heard his name. They had nightmares about him. And one day, this guy Saul is on his way to kill some more Christians when he is knocked to the ground off of his horse by the power of God, and he cannot see. He's blinded, and there in his darkened state, he realizes what a mess his life was in. His name was Zach. He was a likable enough guy until he started working for the IRS. 
He has power now and he cheats people and everyone knew that he was cheating them. But there was nothing they could do except hate him. And hate him they did. He lost all of his friends. No one wanted to be around him. Zacchaeus was never invited to anybody's house for dinner. He was just a hated man. And he was very, very lonely. He hears there's this guy named Jesus who will approach just about anyone and heard he was coming to town. And though no one would stand next to him, he stands alone and he is short enough that he can't see. So he climbs up a tree just to watch this guy who seemed to love everybody pass by. And as Jesus passed by, he realizes in his life, as he looks down on the crowds that used to be his friends, how totally messed up his life is. Her name was Mary. Now, she had other names. Woman of ill repute, prostitute, trash. Her life started out simple enough, but something went horribly wrong for Mary. And now her life is filled with pain and sin and so much regret. Scripture tells us that she got so far down the road that her life was now possessed by seven demons that dominated her, that controlled her actions, that controlled her mind. You can read about that in Luke chapter 8. We now find Mary face down in the dirt with a mob surrounding her wanting to kill her. And by the law, justifiably so. And lying in the dirt with tears streaming down her cheeks, she realizes what an utter mess her life is in with no hope to ever get out. And it was there in the dirt, in her pain, in her regret, that Mary comes face to face with stronger stuff than she had ever known before. Jesus steps onto the scene. He sees her in her mess. And just when she was expecting condemnation, grace, <laughs> grace, amazing grace, took her by surprise. Jesus commands all seven of those demons to be loosed from her. They were gone. He commanded them to come out. He loosened those demons from any control over her life anymore. And grace found her at the place of her deepest need. So much so her life has changed that that when Christ was crucified, when they placed his body in the tomb, she was there. When they rolled the stone in front of the grave, Mary was there. And on Easter Sunday, it was Mary who would be the first one to come face to face and see that the tomb was empty and then hear the words from Jesus as she saw him in the garden. Mary. Fear not. And it was Mary to whom Jesus spoke and said, I have stronger stuff, Mary, that can 
take people from death to life. I have grace. What about Derek? Well, as I sat and talked with him time and time again, I discovered that Jesus met Derek in prison with stronger stuff, and he found this thing called mercy, something he didn't deserve, but he got anyway, and, and, and he pulled Derek out of his mess. His life was drastically changed in that prison. He started a Bible study. He gathered these men together in the prison, and he turned it into a chapel service where inmates were coming Sunday after Sunday to hear about a God who finds us in our mess. Mercy is God's stronger stuff to turn your mess around. David the prophet Nathan comes to him in his mess and says to David, God has seen you in your brokenness and mess, and the Lord has, come on, get ready to say amen online, the Lord has put away your sin. And David meets forgiveness. It was like he had never done it at all. It was as if it had never happened. And I'll just tell you on Easter Sunday morning, I don't understand forgiveness and grace. I just like it a lot, don't you? Grace, forgiveness is God's stronger stuff to turn your mess around. What about Saul? <laughs> well, his mess is... <laughs> His mess is changed so dramatically that he has to have a new name. And so he gets the name Paul because love can make such a difference in your life that you are no longer known by who you once were. And the Bible shows us how his love was transformed in such a powerful way that he would pin so many words to us in the New Testament, most of the New Testament. You can look in Ephesians chapter 2, and I'll give you a paraphrased version this morning. It says, once your life was a complete mess. Come on. Come on. Am I, am I talking to somebody today? Your life was a complete mess. <laughs> your sins and destructive choices had ruined any chance to be happy and be restored your life was filled with destructive decisions. Come on. You made choices, and those choices took you in a direction you never thought you would go. Decisions that Satan led you to believe were good, but they made a huge mess of your life. We've all been there. Amen. <laughs> Trying to gratify the cravings of our flesh, thinking that would make us happy. And because of our selfish choices and destructive behavior, we deserved God's wrath. <laughs> but, I love that word, but, in the Bible, don't you? But God is filled with love. And his heart is overflowing with compassion and mercy. So he chose stronger stuff than our sin. 
He used the blood of his own son to wash us and make us clean again. That's called grace. We deserved punishment from God. But God gave us the beauty of mercy. His love and mercy has taken us from hopelessness to hope-filled, from broken to blessed, from death to life. He has now made us his very own children, brothers and sisters to Christ. For it is God's love and mercy that turns our mess into a message for those around us. Love is God's stronger stuff to turn your mess around. Zach, well, he gets a second chance. Jesus stops and looks up at this messy man in a tree and he befriends him and pulls him down and says, let's go to your house and let's, let's build a relationship together. He puts his arm around him, walks down the road in front of all of those who hated him. And Zach's mess becomes a message that has given hope to people in a mess. People that long for and get a second chance and love and a second chance. Listen, love and a second chance can change your life. Zacchaeus said... Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said, today salvation has come to your house because a second chance is God's stronger stuff that turns a life of mess around. Now, there is another name that's not even worth mentioning. I won't even put it on the screen. screen. God called him at an early age. He had, he had tremendous potential, potential uh, incredible promise. He was raised by devout, godly parents who loved him. But one day he rebelled against God and he just rebelled against his parents and he went in an awful direction and he brought hurt and pain into their lives and people around him. He was filled with hate and anger. He raised his fist in the presence of his parents and in the presence of God and said, I will choose my own way. I'm in control. I rebel against you. I rebel against your God. He threw himself into a path of selfish destruction and rebellion. He cursed his parents. He stole from his parents. He refused to obey his parents. He'd awakened in the night to sounds of weeping over him, calling out his name, a mom sobbing into the night, late into the night for her lost wayward boy, a dad early in the morning before going to work that would just open his Bible and weep over his rebellious son. <laughs> and one day, in the midst of my mess, Grace changed me. 
Grace broke my heart. And I humbled my heart before God broken. I brought my huge mess to him. I laid it down at an altar of prayer. And um, with stronger stuff, he came into my life and he changed my life in a moment. <laughs> my hateful heart was filled with love. My years of guilt and brokenness over pain and things that had happened to me were healed. My anger over abusing, uh, abuse and mistreatments, gone. And all I know to tell you is that he turned my life around in a moment and he put a new purpose in my life and a new heart in my life and a new song in my heart. And the life that I now lived is so much more blessed than I ever dreamed it could be when he found me in my mess. <laughs> for scripture says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east, come on, somebody needs this today. As far as the east is from the west, he has so removed our sins from us through his grace. He did that for me. There's one more name worth mentioning, I think, on Easter Sunday, right? You know this name. You know it. The name of Jesus, right? He was betrayed by his friend. All of his friends abandoned him. They beat him so badly. Scripture tells us he was hardly recognizable as even a human being. His flesh just ripped open. Scripture would later tell us that he had no beauty that would even draw us to him or attract us to him that would almost be repulsive to look at him. They flung that body on a splintered cross like a raw piece of meat, and then they drove large stakes through his hand and through his feet. They lifted him up for everyone to mock, and there he writhed in pain and wondered why God had forgotten him. And somehow in all of that mess, he looks down from this cross at the very ones that did this to him. And he says these words, these two words, forgive them until his life's blood ebbed from him. Listen, it was the ugliest mess in all of history. They put him in a borrowed tomb and they sealed it with a large stone and they put guards on each side of him. But come on, come on, church, it's Easter Sunday. But death could not hold him. The veil before him was torn. He silenced the boast of sin and grave and the heavens were roaring the praise of his glory for he was raised to life again. Listen, because what seems like a mess is often, often a profound miracle that God is wanting to bring to life again. Wow. Um, 
I had, uh, I had a $100 bill, and it's sitting on my desk right now. Would anybody like to go get that $100 bill? <laughs> so here's what I'm going to do. I really did. I really did have a $100 bill. And so you got to use your imagination today. Come on. Anybody got an imagination? Use it today. This is a $100 bill, right? Come on. Play, work with me. Um, I really did have a $100 bill. And, uh, and so just pretend like this is a $100 bill. Would anybody like to have a $100 bill today? Come on. Anybody? Yeah, there's several, several of you out there. I know you'd love to have a $100 bill. But let me ask you this question. This is my pretend $100 bill. I have a real one in my office. Do you want a $100 bill? But before I do this, let me do this. Let me crumple it up. Now, I've crumpled up my $100 bill. Who still wants it? Well, what if I do this? Throw it down on the ground. Do you still want it? Do you still want the $100 bill? Well, what if I do this because my shoe's pretty dirty? Come on. Anybody still want that $100 bill? This one right here. Pretend. Well, sure you do. If any of you were here right now, you would, if I offered it to you, you would come down and you would grab hold of that $100 bill. Why? Because no matter what I do to this $100 bill on the outside, Come on, stay with me. It did not decrease its value. And no matter how many times you have been hurt, stepped on, scarred, abused by life, even turned from God and filled your life with sin, your value to God has not changed. <laughs> Seriously. I want to give away a $100 bill this morning. And here's who I'm going to give it to. Can't be staff. Can't be a board member. All right, there we go. I'm going to give this $100 bill to the first person who responds on live stream. I want $100. Come on, I'm seriously, just put it on there. I want $100. And I'll get you, I'll get you a real $100 bill. I'm serious. Because the reality uh, uh, of Easter is, Easter is all about a free gift that we weren't expecting, that we didn't deserve, that we didn't think was coming our way. Free gift. It was Easter Sunday morning and the disciples are in the biggest mess of their life. They are locked in a room. They are fearful for their lives. The stone now has been rolled away. The disciples hear this word, the words that he's back. Scripture tells us that Peter and John race to the tomb. They get there, John gets there first, and then Peter, and they stare at this empty tomb in disbelief, wondering what in the world has happened. And then the scripture says, finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, that's John, also went inside. And listen, 
That's what I think is happening to some of you today that are watching online. This is my hope. This has been my prayer all week that there are some of you that will come inside today. That's where the stone has been rolled away and it offers an invitation that no matter how big your mess is, heaven is open, healing is possible, hope has won. And then it goes on to say, uh, in this same passage, it goes on to say, well, I got to get there. Finally, the other disciple reached the tomb first. He went inside. He saw and believed. He saw and believed because moments before on the outside, he saw, but now he's on, come on, this is great. Now he's on the inside and he sees something different on the inside than he saw on the outside. Now he's on the inside. He's looking at the strips of linen. He, he saw from the outside, but now he's inspecting it because on the inside, you have a different point of view because when you come inside, you see things inside that you couldn't see outside. And some of you are on the outside today and you're just looking at your mess but Easter is an invitation to come inside to see that there is stronger stuff inside than you can see on the outside. And that stronger stuff will help get you out of whatever mess you're in. <laughs> because when you see an empty tomb from the inside, you don't see a mess anymore. You see hope and you see power and you see the help of someone that wants to get you out of your mess. Because on the inside, listen, on the inside, everything, Everything can change. When we say that God can give you a new life, he, he does. But what he also does is he gives you, come on, he gives you a new lens by which to see everything in your life through the lens of an empty tomb. Some of you are on the outside and you're wondering if God really does have a plan for your life. Some of you, your heart's beating real quickly right now. Some of you, the Holy Spirit is quickening your spirit and, and, and because you wonder, is there this stronger stuff that's available and is it enough for what I'm going through? There are some of you that are watching. We got people watching. I saw today from all over the world. There are some of you that are watching today. Maybe you just tuned in. You don't even, haven't even heard of Kokomo Naz before, but you tuned in. God has you here watching and it's not by accident. And there are some of you that have walked away from God because of a fire that you went through or a test that you went through or a trial and you got discouraged and you gave up your faith. But today, God is <laughs> calling you back home. There are several of you today standing on the outside, but you feel the presence of God where you are today. He's right there in your living room, in your car, at work, wherever you are watching today. And if you're ready today to take a step inside and become a part of what Jesus died to establish on earth and give your heart to God totally and completely today and have your sins forgiven, I want to pray for you this morning. The Bible says it is by faith through grace that we are saved. You don't have to understand everything. Listen, come on. You don't have to understand everything. I've been at this a long, long time. I still don't understand everything. Many days I simply have to just take a step of faith just to get through a day. 
But listen to me. Come on, you're watching. Listen. If this morning in this service you have felt the power of God in your life, you have felt him there in that room, wherever you are, and you want to receive the love and forgiveness of God today and receive the reason that we celebrate today, I want you to just bow your heads right where you are. You can say these words out loud if you want, at least say them in your heart. Let them be received into your life today. Come on, church online, you pray for people today that are contemplating this in their life. Come on, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for my sins. Today, I want to make him Savior and Lord of my life. I want to look at things from the inside the tomb. I want God to give me a new lens by which to see all that's happening in my life. I want you, God, to come inside of my life and live with me every day. Because I believe today that Jesus did come out of that tomb on Easter. And he did it for me. And I received this new life by faith in Jesus' name. Now listen, if you just prayed that prayer, come on, take another step of faith. Would you let me know? Would you let other people know? Let somebody know. Maybe you would just right there below, maybe you just be bold enough to put right out there online, right on the, the, the feed there, just right in there. You could write the words empty tomb. That's all you have to say. <laughs> just write empty tomb. Send me an email. TimGates at AOL.com. Send me an email. Just tell me, tell me, because I want to pray with you. I want to, I want to pray with you. I want to do whatever I can to help you. I want to pray another prayer, and I'll just ask you, if you would, just all of us, let's just bow our heads where you are right now. When I talk about the messes of life today, it stirred something in some of you. And there are some of you, you love the Lord, but... Your life could just best be described as a mess. And today you're reminded that there is available to us because of an empty tomb, stronger stuff to help clean up whatever mess you're in. Maybe a mess of sin. Many, many were just forgiven of that sin in that prayer we just prayed. Many were, but some of you still are and you haven't prayed that prayer yet. Maybe it's the pain of a financial mess and here we are in the midst of this pandemic and your life is filled with fear and you look at your financial mess and you don't ever see that stone moving. Can I just encourage you today and say, listen, God has stronger stuff than you can even imagine to help you in your financial mess. So many of you are in relational messes right now. You've just seems like your life, the story of your life is one relational mess after another. Your marriage is broken. You're distant from a child. You have hatred toward a parent. And though you can't see that relationship because you're on the outside and though you can't see that relationship ever getting better, 
Listen, there is a stronger power that can roll away that stone in your relational struggle. If God can raise a dead person to life, he can resurrect a dead marriage, a dead dream, a dead relationship, a dead bank account. That is the power of resurrection. Father, today, I'm praying for all of these that you have spoken to today. And the truth is you've spoken to all of us. For some of us, it's just a reminder <laughs> that your power is at work in our life, even though we don't see it. You're just reminding us again today. But Father, today I'm asking you to help several today that are in a mess in their life in some fashion. I, I, they need wisdom. There are some that are asking you today for wisdom in their life, for decisions they have to make. Give them wisdom, Holy Spirit. You said that you would be our wisdom. Give them wisdom. Some that need your power, that there's situations in their life, God, they don't know how it can ever be different, but may the, may the resurrected, resurrected Christ through his spirit give them not only wisdom, but give them power to break whatever stronghold or relational hold or financial hold that is in their life. And I just pray that in Jesus' name. Now, church, last week, so many of you commented how powerful communion was online. Well, I want to do something this morning. I want to do a prayer of anointing on some of you watching today. Um, I received a call this week from my friend Joyce Ayers, uh, part of our church. Um, her sister-in-law is in a hospital in Indianapolis and just struggling with this COVID-19 and just physical um, difficulties. And it's just been an up and down thing. And unless God intervenes, um, so she's asked that I would anoint her today. And so I'm going to do that. Um, there are other, others that are sick. Um, we had our first death this past week due to this illness, this pandemic. It's at our church. I want to pray for the family of uh, Chuck Johnson. We want to pray for Phyllis today. I want to pray for Scott and Terry Smith, the loss of Shaney that was so tragic. And the list is so long today. So many of you that are hurting, going through struggles, hurting physically or emotionally, and so I want to anoint you today. And so what I want you to do is just, I want you just to open your hands up and receive this anointing today. I want to anoint you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, right now, in faith, we just come to you on this Easter Sunday. We praise you. We thank you. We've worshiped you today. We've given you thanks today. And now we bring people to you that desperately need a healing touch on their life. We can't manufacture anything and we're thankful for healing and wisdom that you give to doctors and nurses, and we thank you for them. Many of them are such heroes for just charging into this pandemic. We thank you for them.
but we believe all healing comes from you. We know that all healing is temporary, but we believe healing comes from you. And so in Jesus' name right now, we come, I come on behalf of Joyce today who is praying for her sister-in-law. What seems impossible with man is possible with God. So put your healing hand upon her right now in that hospital in Indianapolis. Father, I pray for others that have been affected by this COVID-19. It has brought fear into so many hearts. So I pray that you would give us faith that is stronger than the fear. I pray that you would give healing. I pray that you would sweep across this country and you would heal people's bodies. And I pray this disease would be gone in Jesus' name. But Lord, we know in everything that Satan wants to use for evil, you turn and use it for good. And we've already seen so many wonderful things. And if the only thing is it turns our hearts back to you, then praise be to God. May we get on our knees more and may we pray more and may we believe you for more. I pray for the family of Chuck Johnson today. I pray for that sweet wife that you would protect her heart and mind and that you'd Put your arms of love and grace on her. Pray for Scott and Terry today and the loss of sweet little Shaney. So tragic. Pray you would fill them with hope. Fill them with promise. For so many that are hurting physically and emotionally right now, bring healing today. And we pray all of this in the powerful powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen. Let's worship together one more time.
church. Wow. We're so thankful that you joined us on this Easter Sunday. Um, I just want you to know that there is a strong presence of the Lord in this place, and I'm praying that the same thing is true wherever you're watching. Wow. Can I just say I miss you so much. Um, we love you, pray for you. We're blessed that you would join us and be with us today. I just want to mention uh, just this passage of Jesus right before he left this earth to his disciples because I hope it gives you hope. Jesus said to his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, this is for us, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always. He's with you today. We love you. We're praying for you today. May you be blessed in Christ's name. Amen. <laughs>